Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. Though this is going to be one of those ones where I don't get to talk a whole lot of Colorado Rockies baseball. I try to keep that to a minimum on this show, understanding that if you're a baseball fan, you probably have non-Rockies talk options from a lot of other places, and that's one of the main reasons I really do try to keep it as Rockies focused as possible here on the show, but it is always fun year after year to dive into the debates about who should win the yearly awards. And because of the season the Colorado Rockies just had, they obviously aren't going to be much of a factor in many of these conversations. I've already talked about all the gold glove stuff and I've written about it. Uh, Hopefully you'll go and check that out on milehighsports.com. And I've got a video coming up on the YouTube channel about these young players, particularly uh, defensively, and what they've been able to accomplish. So I'm not going to be able to rehash any of that here in order to get your Rockies content. So there's really only one award where I can shoehorn it in. But let's begin with what I think is one of the more interesting MVP battles in a very long time. Here in the National League, here I say like <laughs> like I belong to the National League. I suppose I do in some ways. But it really is the battle between Ronald Acuna and Mookie Betts, right? And this is, I don't think there's a wrong answer here to jump to the very end, I suppose. Uh, I This is a tough one. Because Acuna leads in all of the traditional stats, right? If this was 1995, Acuna would win this running away, right? He led the league in plate appearances, at-bats, runs scored, hits, uh, on-base percentage, OPS, OPS plus, total bases, right? He hit 41 home runs and stole 73 stolen bases, the only player... To, to do that, uh, right, <laughs> got to invent a new club for the guy. The 4070 club, apparently, is a thing now, right? A truly, epically tremendous season by all of the traditional numbers. And then you look at Mookie Betts, who had a very good season by all of those numbers, didn't lead the league in a single category, offensively anyway, but does have the higher wins above replacement, 8.4 to Ronald Acuna's 8.1. Now, you know, three-tenths of a win when these stats have some variability, right? There's, you could argue that that, that has them basically even, but it is interesting to wonder why, right? You, you, at the very least, let's do the intellectual exercise of asking ourselves, well, why would wins above replacement see Mookie Betts is the better player. The obvious reason is that his defense is seen as better. Now, Ronald Acuna is not seen as a poor defender by any means. Betts is just seen as a better one. But something that even that isn't quite showing you in these numbers, something that I've talked about a little bit before, is his positional versatility. It shows up a little bit in the numbers because you get different war Uh, there are different weights on your wins above replacement if you're playing second base versus right field versus first base, right? Because those positions, it's easier to get offense out of your first baseman because you don't necessarily need a great athlete to play first base. That's been historically the concept, right? And so the, the idea, which is less 
extreme as it used to be, but it's still true in baseball, right? Is that if you have a guy who can play up the middle, shortstop, second base, center field, who can also be, I guess I should throw catcher in there as well, but that's really a different category. Their ability to provide value to your club is even higher than somebody who may be extremely valuable in right field, left field, first base, or third base, but they're going to have to be that much better in order to accumulate the war. So when he moves around, he picks up a bit of extra war just by getting the bonus for the games he's at, say, second base or whatever. But what it doesn't really give him credit for, and we've had this conversation through the lens of Shohei Otani in the past, is the fact that you don't have to make a roster move, that he, in a way, is like having an extra player on your roster. Because if a guy goes down basically at any spot, you can put Mookie Betts there and have him play and be... an above average defender, right? Infield or outfield. And that's pretty rare to be able to have a player that can do that. You're not going to put Ronald Acuna at second base and for good reason, right? Whereas Mookie Betts can not only handle it, he can handle it at a well above average ability. Uh, The guy's a six-time gold glover. So ultimately, if I had a vote, I think I would still vote for Ronald Acuna I do think that the war advantage that Betts has is small enough and built enough on those things that are kind of difficult to fully prove and understand, though I do agree that not only is defense very valuable, um, but defensive versatility is extremely valuable and something we don't even really have a number to capture yeah, 40 home runs and 70 stolen bases is just really, really tough to argue with. And again, when you lead the league in multiple offensive categories, uh, when you're across the board, you know, the most feared hitter in baseball, we, you know, you, you do some of the park adjusting and, you know, 30 points of batting average difference between the two of them doesn't make the kind of difference that it would have, like I was saying, back in 1995, where Acuna would have just run away with this easily right when you adjust reasonably for the fact that Mookie Betts has a difficult offensive environment there still a guy who's batting 307 you know good batting that's still a guy you're you're, you're, I'm not saying when Mookie Betts is at the plate you're just feeling like oh no I've got this guy in hand right that's not the case he still hit 39 home runs uh still you know stole 14 bases but yeah just it's not at some point, the, the historic nature of the season, the fact that he did accumulate the stuff that you can just more easily measure. And I've often said that, you know, the advanced metrics are far more helpful when we're having a conversation about a player over the course of a couple of years or over the course of their career, right? When we're having a Hall of Fame conversation or a conversation about whether or not to sign them to a long-term extension. But when we're talking about who belongs in the All-Star Games, we're talking about who won the MVP, the most valuable player for the season that was just played, Uh, sometimes doing all the extra extrapolating and saying, well, you know, this guy's theoretical value is actually higher than the guy who scored more runs, got more hits, stole more bases, hit more home runs at a higher batting average, a higher on-base percentage, a higher slugging percentage. You're kind of like, well, no, I think it was actually probably that guy had the 
the better season. You know, if the numbers were a little close to even on offense, I feel like I could make the case a little bit more for Mookie Betts and his defense over the top. But again, I don't think there's necessarily a wrong vote here. I do think that a Mookie Betts vote is a little overthinking it, but Lord knows I have been at many times in my life the the king of overthinking it. So I, I can't exactly get down on anyone else for doing that. But I think I would vote for bets in that situation. Let's go over to the Cy Young vote in the National League where it is an absolute mess where you have this kind of fun clarity of like Ronald Acuna and his traditional stats or Mookie Betts and the advanced metrics. You've got just a mess in the National League Cy Young race. And I'm honestly, this is the most like ambivalent I've felt toward one of these things in a while. Again, to skip to the end, I have no idea who I would vote for. The traditionalist, uh, to, to carry the analogy of what if this was 1995, this would probably go to Spencer Strider of Atlanta. 20 wins, the only person to get 20 wins this season, led the league in strikeouts comfortably. 281. The next best was Snell at 234. So, you know, his, his strikeout rates were absolutely ridiculous this year. Problem with Strider is... The advanced metrics, really not impressed, right? He had a raw 386 ERA, which gives him an ERA plus of 115. That's fine. That's good. But in a lot of ways, that's not even really an all-star number. That's, let alone a Cy Young winner, right? That's a lot of runs he gave up over the year. But he also pitched 186 innings which is quite a bit more than Blake Snell, who leads the league in a lot of these other, you know, he's got the ERA plus and the the ERA, the raw ERA is the best in the league at 225, the ERA plus up there at 182. He also led the league in walks and rarely pitched past the fifth inning. Uh, he, he, you know, whereas Strider is like gutting through into later innings and, winning ball games on a winning team, Blake Snell sort of as the disappointing ace of a disappointing team had a phenomenal year. Again, if you look at certain things like, like the hits per nine, the whip, the stuff like that, you're going to see Snell at a lot of, I mentioned pitcher war. Uh, he's at the top of that list, but a lot of times pitching is about, and I'm not even talking about the pitcher win, but winning the baseball game that you're in. Right, uh, finding a way to overcome whatever is in front of you, and sometimes it's about preserving the bullpen and and all of these other things. So it's, it's this is a really fascinating one to me because Strider isn't in the top ten when it comes to WAR for pitchers or ERA, ERA plus stuff like that. But Snell, again, I feel like it's hard to say that he had a. He obviously had a great, great individual season. A 225 ERA is a 225 ERA, but it doesn't get much easier of an environment to pitch in than San Diego. And given the way he was used this year, the rarity of him pitching past five innings, the fact that the vast majority of the games that he pitched in were of almost no consequence, you know, it's it's tough to be like, well, 
you know, the war says. And then you've got a bunch of other guys who just complicated even further. Uh, Logan Webb quietly had a very nice year for San Francisco through a no-hitter. He's actually second in war for pitchers, and he's up there, what, fourth in general ERA. San Francisco is also a very nice and easy place to pitch, and also a team that just sort of was there, you know, so how much. It's oftentimes a, a factor in MVP. That's something that's bit the Rockies several times in the past. Nolan Arenado, for example, had phenomenal years, but the team wasn't competitive, so he didn't get as many votes. To what extent, you know, I actually think that matters a lot more for pitchers personally than it does for hitters because hitters, position players approach every game basically exactly the same way. But a starting pitcher knows when there's a must game win. They know when they're in a pennant race. They know when they absolutely have to have their best stuff today. And again, back to like Blake Snell or Logan Webb this year, it just that didn't really come up a whole lot. Whereas guys like Zach Gallen. And Merrill Kelly, who exist in that four to five range in terms of ERA and WAR and ERA plus, like they pitched in a ton of important games down the stretch and are on the verge of getting the Arizona Diamondbacks maybe into the World Series. Uh, so I, I honestly think this is just an absolute mess. I could not, in good conscience, vote for Strider despite the win totals and the strikeout totals being comfortably ahead of everybody else in the league because he's not even close on the other stuff. But then on the other stuff, most of these guys have the problem, the absolute opposite problem of Strider where they weren't nearly as dominant and they didn't pitch in many games that mattered. Kodai Senga, Kodai Senga uh, of the Mets, similar thing there. Great rookie season, phenomenal stuff, ended up coming in third and wins above replacement for National League pitchers. But, you know, to what extent were those games meaningful, impactful? You know, can you dominate when there's no pressure on you going out there and, and pitching in these games and losing anyway, right? So I, I don't know. I just don't know. And I've got to move on from National League Cy Young. So uh, AL MVP, I would still vote for Otani. I think you can make the case for Corey Seager. By the way, I'm not going to go as heavily through the American League because I don't cover that league, in case you were wondering. I was obviously going to spend more time on the National League. But, uh, you know, I know he got shut down late. Uh, not that I guess he missed like the final month of the season. But still, uh, I think as long as he's doing what he's doing and for the first several months of the season, it was absolutely beyond out of this world ridiculous. And so I can't hold, you know, the injury against him. If even in the limited time, he still put up more value than any of the rest of these guys, I would vote for Shohei Otani and the American League Cy Young is not close. That just belongs to Garrett Cole. I don't love saying it. It just, you look at the numbers and thank goodness. Cause if it was the same kind of mess, I would not envy the people whose votes matter there of trying to sift through all that nonsense. So at the very least, uh, they get an easy one over there for the American league. Cy Young also not close in the American league is the rookie of the year vote, which Gunnar Henderson of the Baltimore Orioles is going to run away with. And I wouldn't be surprised if, and this will make a lot of us feel old, everyone's favorite Matt Holiday's son, Jackson Holiday, is the Rookie of the Year for them again next year. Baltimore really has a quite the future ahead of them right now. 
But for this last thing, we do finally get to throw a little bit of Colorado Rockies talk into it, and that is National League Rookie of the Year. I'll start by saying that Corbin Carroll is almost certainly going to win this, and understandably so. He's had a phenomenal season, 5.4 wins above replacement, 134 OPS plus. Uh, He managed to steal 50. 54 bases while hitting 25 home runs, a 285 batting average, 362 on base, 506 slugging. That's just a very, very good season. In fact, for the first half of the year, there was some conversation about Corbin Carroll maybe being in the National League MVP race. Now, obviously, Acuna and, and Mookie Betts put that pretty much to rest, but still a very, very good year. He led the National League with 10 triples, did Corbin Carroll. Uh, And he's been excellent in this postseason. And so I think he will almost certainly win this thing. But it should be noted that if Nolan Jones had gotten a full season, he would have passed him in wins above replacement if he had just played at the rate he played at, right? His numbers across the board, other than the grand totals because of the limited playtime, are better. 4.3 wins above replacement, but like I said, in about 50 fewer games. So when you extrapolate, it would have been just over six for Nolan Jones, about a half a win better than Corbin Carroll. The batting average at 297, the on base at 389, slugging at 542, all considerably better than Carroll. But of course, you've got the Coors Field factor, but hey, we've got a number that actually over adjusts for that and is pretty harsh on Rockies players. That's OPS plus. And Nolan Jones's is at 138. Jones's is, while Corbin Carroll's is at 134. So again, a, a fairly decent little advantage there for Nolan Jones. Uh, he doesn't have the stolen bases, obviously, though 20 in that number of games is nothing to sneeze at. And the 20 home runs himself, which again, for a pace, you know, Jones would have ended the season with more home runs in the same number of games played. Obviously, we know about the outfield assists and the burgeoning defensive ability. He probably would have been nominated for a gold glove in left field if he had uh, played just a few more innings. His defensive runs saved are higher than everybody who is nominated for a gold glove in left. So that's an almost certainty that he would have been there. So while I don't think he's going to win it, largely because I think in people's minds, Corbin Carroll had this thing wrapped up halfway through the season uh he's got all the hype he's deserved the hype and now he's on the national stage you know really showing off for himself and and playing great baseball whereas nolan jones is stuck on 103 lost colorado rockies team but and i will also say this i think it's totally fair to say that because carroll did what he did over a longer period of time i've often talked about you know that's one of the elements of baseball one of the Toughest challenges is can you handle the grind? Can you run the marathon? And as much as I can sit here and say, if you extrapolate out, Jones would have done better. Yeah, but he also might have gone on a 10 or 15 or 20 game slump in those extra 50 games, which either would have meant that his numbers came out roughly even or or, or even worse, right? He could have uh, really hurt his ultimate wins. The, the fact that he had a slightly smaller sample size is in many ways an advantage. Doing it over a longer period of time is in many ways a bit more impressive. But I guess the final thought that I'll leave everyone with, and this is basically inarguable at this point, is that on a game-to-game basis, Nolan Jones was the most valuable rookie in the National League in 2023. He just was. Does that necessarily mean that he deserves to win Rookie of the Year? No, like I said, I I think it's still a a fair case 
for Corbin Carroll. But I do think you can walk away from this as Rockies fans saying, yeah, that guy may technically have had the better rookie season. But our guy, again, on a game-to-game basis, was the best in the National League. That's pretty cool. And at worst, he should come in second, whatever that means to you. So that's all I've got for today on the awards. I appreciate you all for listening into this. I hope you will continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.